Welcome to Be The Light Podcast with C.B. Barthlow, lead pastor of Denver Beacon. I am your host, Pastor Ty Morris. Our desire is to lead the lost, the broken, and the hopelessness of our communities, to be light bearers in our city set on a hill. Now tune in for our sermon series. Y'all ready to open the Bible? Okay, we have 39 minutes. <laughs> it's not going to work. There's no way. So to catch you up, we're, we're in uh, Galatians chapter 3. We've been walking through a 16-week series in the study of the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the churches in Galatea. And last week, we started a message called A Promise We Can Count On. And my goal was to read passage of Scripture, Galatians 3, 15 through 29. And as is the case with most of the messages that I preach, I I like to do a a style of preaching that I think is really easy to, to, to break down text and to eat. We call it three points in a poem. And the idea is that I try to break down the text in the three main ideas from which we extrapolate the truth, and then we try to tie it together in the end. And I started last week um, in point one, and I made it to point one, point one. That's it. That's as far as we got. We didn't make it anywhere else. I made it through one verse out of the whole selection of 14 verses. And here's the thing. You guys know me. I'm a real quiet, mild-mannered preacher, and the, the Lord just took over. I was surprised because, you know, I'm usually, I don't really move from any, this position, you know, and, um, and I don't know what else he's going to do today. If you have your Bible, open it up to Galatians chapter 3, verse 15. I'm, I'm just going to read through 18 because that's just where we are. And if we get to move, we'll move. Amen? I promise we can count on part two. The Bible says in Galatians 3 and 15, to give a human example, brothers, Even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it's been ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. Verse 18, for if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham, the the inheritance, as a promise. Amen. The title of the message, A Promise We Can Count On. And the big idea is that God is a promise maker, and he always keeps every promise he ever has or ever will make. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you just do whatever you want. Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm yours. We are yours and we surrender. Say what you want to say. Move as you want to move. Amen. So as part of our discussion in this text, Paul, Paul's been talking about the law. Much of this conversation we've been having in the book of Galatians is Paul trying to correct uh, incorrect teaching in the churches in Galatea, lawmakers, law lovers, he calls Judaizers, men and women who've been perpetuating the teaching that yes, you can have Jesus and be saved, but in order to really be saved, you must also adhere to the Mosaic law, most specifically the practice of circumcision. And, and, And that teaching, though seemingly benign, 
seemingly just a cultural variation that doesn't negate the promise of Jesus is in Paul's eyes enough of a distraction or a derailment that the people in these churches would lose sight of the fact that salvation comes by grace through faith in Jesus alone. Amen. Period. And so he's been embattled in a conversation with the Judaizers. In some parts of the text, he's talking to the church around the Judaizers. In some parts of the text, he's talking to the church leaders, Peter, John, James, about the Judaizers. And in some parts of the text, he's talking directly to the Judaizers. We'll find that his language, especially towards those whom he thinks are leading the church astray, grows increasingly strong. He has a sense of urgency about making sure that right doctrine takes right hold so that people can be made right. And we almost got to that last week. (laughs) But what I love about this portion of scripture and the reason we've chosen to do it all in one piece originally was that I, I think it helps us to place the law correctly. And we may get to that today. Verse 19 is when Paul really says, so why then the law? And then he answers the question. But we started this conversation with a clear look at the promises that God had been making to his people. And that's kind of where we got stuck. If you remember, we said this last week, God is a promise maker. Amen. It's in his nature. Actually, it is all of his nature. You see, by God's nature, he's not a man that he should lie, so when he speaks, it's truth. In fact, the moment he speaks, it becomes truth. Amen? And so everything that God says in Scripture is true. And if it's something that he says to you that you have not seen come to pass yet, that makes it true, even though you have not seen it come to pass. And that's what we call a promise. Amen? God cannot break promises, and he cannot say anything that is not a promise. See, you know a lot of people who do a lot of talking, amen? And they say a lot of things, but promises are not the thing they say the most. Most people talk in such a fashion that it's like suggestions. Or they say things that are momentary, incidental conversations. They'll say something right here, right now, in this moment, and that the reason it's meant to come out is to encourage you, but, but it can be fleeting. It can only happen, pop, pop. Pop, Deacon John, I need you to come down and help me with Shay's dad. Dad? Everybody in the house, pray. Dad, I need you to stand up. And I need you to come out. If you have a prayer language, I want you to pray in that prayer language as well. God's going to do something today and the enemy's mad. I'm going to continue preaching. God, by his very nature, is a promise maker. And every word that is spoken from God will come to pass. Y'all with me? Get with me. Grab the room. Take every thought captive. Don't be distracted. Okay? What we're saying is important. Okay. Every word that God says is a promise, and what he says will come to pass, which is different than every other person that you know in your life. Because some people will say something, and it sounds good, but they have no way to back it up. They can't guarantee it. And yet our God is the God who, no matter what he says, it's already backed up. Amen. 
And so that's important for us to know because when we're engaging with God, we have to understand his nature so it will dictate the way our nature responds. Amen. See, if you treat God like a conversation person, like just one person that you meet in a coffee shop who says something flippantly or as a side, you might respond flippantly or as an aside to God. But you can't respond that way to God. When God speaks as a promise, you have to hold it to be true. Amen. And when he speaks a command, you have to take action on that truth. Amen. See, if you don't understand the nature of God as always truthful, then you will think that you can give or take some of his truth as it meets your needs. That's why a lot of us have a version of Christ or a nature of this Bible that has some parts we like and some parts we don't. There are passages of scripture that we're willing to be encouraged by, but others we want to negate. That's why there's whole denominations and teachers who will find ways to say, oh, I know it says this, but what it really means is this. You see, that's dangerous territory, not only for teachers, but for any believer to say some of this is worth listening to, but not all of it. See, what you're doing in that moment is making God not a promise maker, but a suggestion maker. And you don't need more suggestions in your life. You got enough people telling you how to live, amen? You got enough people with opinions on how best to do it. You don't need opinions, you need truth, Travis. And so I'm trying to hit this on the head over and over again so that you can understand when God says you're blessed, I don't need to debate it anymore, amen? When God says I love you, I don't even have to worry about how much I love myself. If my God loves me, that's enough for me. When he says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. When you're healed, you're healed. Delivered, delivered. Amen. I don't need to suggest something else. He says it, I believe it. End of story. Amen. All right, pause for a second. Let's have a moment. That's Pop. He comes to church every Sunday and we love him. Amen. He's not the enemy, but there's a real enemy. And the real enemy will raise its head up whenever we're doing the things of the Lord. Please don't get spooked. If you've never been in a church where there's been a disturbance, welcome to church on Colfax. Amen. If you needed church to be sterile, it's not your church. This isn't it. But if you've ever been in a church where there's been a disturbance, then you should know that right after that, something about to happen. Amen. God always moves in such a fashion that the demons get all fired up and cranky and they want to say something about it. So here's the deal. That's not the enemy, but there is an enemy and he's under my feet in Jesus' name. Same is true for you. Can we have this moment in church for just a second? Y'all good with this? If it's your first time, (laughs) back to the text. We start talking about God's promises, remember? We talked about the Adamic promise, the covenant with Adam. We mentioned that there were three parts of that. Genesis 1 and 26, the dominion that he gave to man. Genesis 2 and 16, the death that came from disobedience. Genesis 3 and 16, the drudgery of dominion after disobedience. Not one of them negated the previous promise. Each one's still true. Amen. We talked about the Noahic covenant or promises made to Noah. In Genesis 9, we learned about the new dominion given to mankind through Noah out of his obedience. Amen. And then in Genesis 9 and 18, we learned about God's promise for no more destruction based on disobedience because he put a bow in the sky. And he said, no matter how bad y'all get, 
promised I won't break y'all down until I return. And in that sense, those promises made to Noah were promises about power and peace. He said, you're the new one, you're the boss, take ownership and dominion. Oh, and rest assured, I'm on your side. Amen. Then we transition to talk about the Abrahamic covenant. So the promises made to Abraham. And I began to touch on them and then we ran out of time. And so we're going to pick up right there from essentially this conversation in Genesis 12 and 15 as it's echoed by Paul to the letter, in the letter to the church in Galatea. And here's what Paul says. Let me just remind you. He says in verse 16, now the promises, we're going to talk about the two promises, were made to Abraham and to his offspring. And he says, it doesn't say offsprings, meaning many, but to one offspring, that's Christ. And here's the promises in Genesis and 12. Let me show it to you. So you know we're not just winging it. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Verse 3, you ready? I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is a promise made to Abram about stewardship. He is saying, okay, dominion still exists and you're from the line of Noah, so it's yours. Destruction will not come because I made that promise to the line of Noah and you're in that, so that's yours. And now I've uniquely chosen you, Abram, to be the one who will lead a people that will grow and through whom, I'm teaching, I hope you all don't mind, through whom I will bless the whole world. He's essentially saying to Abram, I've got big plans for you, amen? And that's about the biggest understatement I can make. Because what he's saying is, I knew you and your wife are all old, amen, and you can't have no babies. And I'm not only going to bring forth babies, but lots and lots of babies. And all of your babies will be the way, hear me, the way, hear me, the way I bless the whole world from now until forever. That's the promise of stewardship to Abram, amen. And the best part about this is he says, and if someone's on your team, I will bless them. And if they're not, I will curse them. Now that is a different conversation altogether. What God is essentially saying is me and you, we got a thing. It's extra special. And I'm about to change the whole world through you. And if anybody gets in your way, I'm about to knock them down. Amen. Amen. First promise to Abram is a promise of stewardship. And the reason that he makes the promise of stewardship is he says, I need you to understand the carrying of the weight that I'm giving you. Because the next promise happens in Genesis 15. It's in verses one through six. So let me read that to you. After these things, the word of the Lord again came to Abram in a vision. He said, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? 
for I continue childless, and the heir of my house, Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside. Y'all ready? And he said, Look to the heavens. And he said, Now number the stars. Are you able to number them? And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. The Bible says in verse six, and he, that's Abram, believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteous. So I need you to see this picture in order to understand this promise in all of its fullness. You see, we've been talking about Abraham being counted as righteous because he believed God. And it would be wonderful if it was just as simple as God said, I'm good, trust me. And he was like, cool. And then he was like, you're righteous. And that would be like super simple for all of us. Amen. Or we've told the story that God said, I'll make you a great nation. I'll give you many children. Your your offspring will be as numerous as the stars. And he said, but we're old. And God said, trust me. And and Abram said, okay, cool. And then he said, you're righteous. And that would have been like, okay, I understand that. But that is actually not the promise that is happening here. The picture is this. God walks Abram outside to the sky. Now this is pre-cities, so you could see the stars, amen? I'm always amazed at when we do a men's retreat and we go to the mountains and we're like, oh, that's stars, right. Hmm. It's in this moment that God is standing with Abram, coming to him in a vision, and he says, look up. You see the sky? Abram says, yeah. He says, you see the stars? Yeah. He says, "Um, can you number the stars? Think of Abram's response. Of course I can't number the stars. I I can't even tell where the beginning or the end is. I mean, the stars are infinite. And then God says, so shall your offspring be. Now you hear that and you think he's saying, Father Abraham has many sons. But that is not what he's saying. And Paul corrects that incorrect teaching. He says... In Galatians 3, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. Not offsprings, meaning many, but one, meaning Christ. See, what happens is God takes Abraham outside and he says to him, gosh, you can't miss it because it changes everything. He says, look at the stars. And he says, tons of them. And he says, that will be your son. You get it? I ain't trying to spook you out, but he does not say sons. He says, look at the stars. Okay, they're infinite. I can't see the end from the beginning. And he says, I am going to give you a son who is the beginning and the end. Y'all with me? He says, they're infinite. He says, I am going to bring you a son who was and is and always will be. Out of you will come the one who never stopped living. Amen. And so then it says, Abraham believed him and God counted it as righteousness. Y'all with me? See, Abraham didn't get counted as righteous because he thought he might have a son. Abraham was counted as righteous because he believed in the son. 
That's why the promise made to Abraham has always been the promise for you and for me. You missed it. You think the promise to Abraham was about Isaac. The promise to Abraham was about You better shout his name. That's the promise. So people are like, how do Old Testament people go to heaven? The promise. One son, beginning and end, infinite, alpha and omega. You with me? That changes everything, doesn't it? Let's do an altar call. Come on. I'm just playing. So here's the deal. The offspring promised to Abraham is not just many sons from whom might come. It is the one out of whom will come the co-heirs in the kingdom. Now here's the beauty, is that this promise continues. If we were to jump over the law and maybe talk about it next week, a similar process, promise is made to David. You see, the Davidic process, promise, the covenant made to David is a promise made to a king about a lineage of kingdom that is yet to come. Y'all ready? I'm just going to jump over Exodus. We're going to talk about uh, Moses. We'll, we'll do that maybe next week when we do New Covenant. I want to just show you how this promise and promise-making nature of God continues. You should see this, okay? Second Samuel. Y'all good? Are we okay? Is this, are, you, are, you, are you all right? You've never been here. You're like, what is happening? Second Samuel chapter 7. Let's just do this because the Bible is awesome. Amen. Yeah. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 9. Okay. God promised Abraham, I will make your name great, and from you will come the son. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 9. And I have been with you wherever you went, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make your name great, like the names of the great ones of the earth. Verse 12, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house, that's you, the church, gosh, come on somebody, for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, ready? I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. You see, this isn't Solomon, this isn't David's son, this is the son. He says he will be to me a son. Now here's the deal, when he commits iniquity, except for that Jesus didn't commit any iniquity, except when God makes a promise about the Jesus to come, he's already counting your iniquity on the head of the one whom will call no iniquity. He says, when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul. I mean, I could go on forever, but I hope by now what you're seeing is that my God has always been making a promise about Jesus to every man who's ever lived. He's been echoing this one phrase over and over, my son, Jesus, my son, Jesus, my son, Jesus. And that's why Paul is teaching against the law. He says, y'all talking about something that's nothing to do with my son, Jesus. Jesus. And people said, but if I just follow the directions, I'll be counted as righteous. And he says, no, if you don't know the person of Jesus, if you're not surrendered to the king who's Jesus, if you don't put your trust in Jesus, you're dead. He says, the promises have been made. How did y'all miss it? Why do you keep talking about the wrong things? 
Why do you keep saying Jesus and when no part of our text has ever had the ampersand in it? It said Jesus. You're with me. I'm sweating. We got 15 minutes. We can do the rest of these promises. So then he asks, why then the law? And here's what you need to understand of the Mosaic promises. Jump back, because we did, we did Abraham, Genesis 12 and 15. And then we did David, Samuel, right? I mean, I could even do Samuel 7, 12, and we could do more, but here's the deal. Let's just jump back real quick and look at the promise of the law to Moses. Y'all ready? Go to Exodus 19. Genesis, Exodus. Do you guys still do that too? Leviticus numbers. Okay, Exodus 19. I hope you're turning. Okay, Exodus 19 and 5. And then we're going to do Exodus uh, 24. Okay, Exodus 19 and 5. It says this. Now, therefore, this is God. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He says to Moses, these are the words you should say to Israel. Okay, this is the beginning of the giving of the law from God to the intermediary Moses for the people Israel. And in this conversation, the law as Moses delivers it to the people is placed upon them. 430 laws in this time given upon them. And here is the law placed upon them. Amen, y'all with me? I want you to see something. Jump ahead to Exodus 24. Nearly the same conversation happens, but he's getting their agreement. See, what you just heard was God talking to Moses. Now you're going to hear Moses talking to the people. In Exodus 24 and verse 7, then he, that's Moses, took the book of the covenant, that's the Mosaic covenant, the law, and he read the whole thing in their hearing. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We will be obedient. Okay? And Moses (laughs) took the blood and he threw it upon the people. Read it. It says, Moses took the blood, he threw it on the people, and he said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance of these words. Exodus 19, Moses comes down from the mountain with the law from God, and he places the law upon the people and says, these are the new guidelines. Amen? Yeah? Good? Exodus 24, he says, are you good? And they say, yes. Everything this law says is placed upon us, and we will do it. And he seals the covenant by putting blood upon them. Do you see it? Okay. The Mosaic Covenant, the law upon them, the blood upon them. Okay. New Covenant, Jeremiah 31. Are you good? Okay. 
I'm, revival's about to break out in this house. We're about to freak out. Okay, Jeremiah 31, verse 33. And then I'm going to also look for Luke 22. We're going to do them back to back. And I think it's 22 and 20. Yep, okay. All right, Jeremiah 31 and 33. Remember, Old Covenant. The Mosaic Covenant, the law, was placed upon the people. They agreed, and Moses placed the blood upon them. New Covenant, it says, chapter 31, verse 33, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Okay, wait. Old Covenant, law placed upon you, new covenant, law, he said, Jesus said, this cup, come on now, you better praise him, you better praise him, come on now, (laughs) he's under my feet, he's under my feet. Luke chapter 22, verse 20, likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, Jesus said, and this cup is poured out for you. It's the new covenant in my blood. Ready? Old covenant put upon you. New covenant put within you. Here's why we drink the blood. Because the covenant must be sealed with blood. And the covenant must be sealed in such a fashion as that which has the rules of the covenant. So when the old covenant is the law placed upon you, and then they agreed, it was sealed with blood upon them. So that they had the power to adhere to that which was placed upon them. And yet, they could never adhere to it. Amen. And so the new covenant says, I'm coming again. Same law. Amen. Same God. Same people, except that I'm not placing it upon you as a burden. I'm putting it within you as an urge, as a desire, as a, as a passion, as a way that you chase after me. And, and I'm going to seal it too. And they said, okay, sprinkle the blood. And he said, no, I don't sprinkle blood. I shed blood that I put inside of you that you are made new in creation. You see, the promise has always been Jesus. So when he sprinkled the blood for the first time in the Old Testament, it was a type and shadow of what was to come. And when the disciples saw Jesus pour wine and said, drink the blood, you see, you see, we take communion. We think it's a first Sunday of the month practice where we fumble around for 45 minutes to get that top film off. (laughs) We think it's a practice and a symbol. We think that when we eat the bread, it's like, "Mm, I remember Jesus. And we drink the blood, all the blood was shed. But you have to put yourself in the seat of 12 men at a table with their king. The Bible says they reclined at table together. And they had known that the promise of the new covenant was coming. 
They had heard that one day God had already made a way. They were just getting ready to walk into it. That one day the law, which could not be fulfilled, would somehow be miraculously placed inside of their hearts in such a fashion that they would not be driven by their own emotions, their own wills, their sinful nature, their flesh, but they would be drawn to a king who would empower them to fulfill a law that seems impossible on the outside. And at the Passover meal, the night before he was tried, Jesus gathered his best 12 friends. And he said, you know the promises. And they said, we, we, we're good Jewish boys, of course. We know the promises. He says, you remember, you remember dominion to Adam? We remember. Do you remember the death that comes from disobedience? We, we remember. Do you remember the drudgery and toil that comes after? Oh, we remember. Says, Do you remember how God renewed the dominion covenant with Noah? Yeah. How he promised that there would be peace on earth? Yeah. Do you remember when he told Abram about me? Do you remember when he said it would just be one offspring who would be the beginning and the end? Yeah. He said, come, eat. And he broke bread before them. He said, do you remember when the law was first given? Yeah. It was the yoke placed upon us. He said, well, take my yoke upon you. For my burden is easy and light. He said, do you remember... Do you remember the promise from Jeremiah that said one day that you'd be able to walk this thing out? Yeah. So you remember how all these covenants have to be sealed, right? Tomorrow I will seal it for you. Take, drink the blood that is my covenant. See, you read that story and you miss how it would have wrecked every one of them in the room. In just one small dinner party, Jesus had fulfilled every law and promise that came down. And when he said, take drink, buddy, if you know the Bible, you know Peter was like, let me get some extra shots, man. Come on, give this part on me. Come on. You would have understood the great value of this promise that is the new covenant, which is the law placed within you. That's the Holy Spirit's empowerment, encouragement, conviction, and the sealing of the blood that we drink the first Sunday of the month. It's not religion. It's remembering the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham. Amen. Are y'all with me? We're completely out of time. Bam, would y'all come up? Part three next week, yes? We just keep, I don't know. I don't know, Brandy. I have no idea. Four-week series. Can you imagine if we have a 16-week series with a mini six-week series in the middle? Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to consider this. Every promise that we just talked about, from the promise and covenant made to Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, 
The new covenant promise made through Jeremiah, the new covenant promise fulfilled in Luke by Jesus. These are not parts of different faiths. See, we can't be the kind of Christians that are like, well, the Old Testament's a whole Jewish thing, but the New Testament is a Christian thing. I only read the gospels. <laughs> Scratch it. The whole thing. Y'all ready? The whole thing is our thing. Every little part, those are our promises. This is our family. This is what God's called us to, amen? Dominion is yours. You may not feel like it, but God calls you to take hold of this earth and subdue it, amen? So we should no longer be living as Christians who are just like, well, I hope if God wills it. No, God wills it, take over, baby. That's the way that this works, amen? When he says, through you, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. I don't want you to feel timid when you walk into the biscuit company after this. Don't feel like, well, I'm just one of the weird Christians that goes to church at the Bluebird. Walk in like I'm one of the weird Christians that goes to church at the Bluebird, and I want all the biscuits in the house. Come on, somebody. You need to understand that he's choosing you to bless them. He, oh, i got to say it again. He wants to bless them through you. He loves them, and he's trying to reach them through you. And when they fight you, guess what? Whoa. He fights them for you. Amen. Amen. These are our promises, church. This is our God, church. And it's always and always will be Jesus. Thanks for joining Be The Light Podcast with lead pastor C.B. Barthlow. Visit our website at denverbeacon.org. To download our Beacon app, text Beacon to 97000. Once again, text Beacon to 97000. Whatever you do, please remember to be the light. Let's go! Let's go!